0: Well, I'm really glad that you are here as well and if this is your first Sunday uh, here at MCC, uh, thanks for being with us. My name is Mike and I'm the lead pastor Uh, and if you are watching this online, thanks for joining us there as well. We know uh, that people are in the room who watched us there before they ever came here and so if that's you, I hope that you will join us in the room here soon. And if that's you this morning, we're really glad that you've joined us here uh, after watching us there. So, today we're beginning a series that we're calling Summer Playlist, right? Because music has power, doesn't it? It has the ability to lift our spirits. Sometimes we dance, sometimes in here we dance, Uh, it helps us focus. Music has the ability to pull us back into different times in our life. And so I thought I would play a few songs, maybe you know a few seconds of a song, see if you can think through when it might where it might take you in your life. So uh, take a listen to this first song. And oh. Okay, yeah, some of you need to not answer that question, all right? Uh, it's a love song, so it takes, okay, never mind that I asked. It's a love song. It just takes you back to the time you fell in love. Okay, we'll leave it at that. How about, what about this song? Huh? What are you doing? You're exercising, you're dancing, all right. How about this next one? Where are you? You're Rocky. <laughs> Where You're at a wedding, okay. Wow. <laughs> what did you play at your wedding? <laughs> Holy cow. You know, there is funny music played at weddings. Uh, okay, what about this next song? I love you, you love oh, me. No, no, We're no. A happy with a great big hug and a, a kiss from me. Oh, okay. Me you're playing team. with I thought you said a party. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's Barney. Right. If there are small children around. Okay, how about this song here? What are you doing with this kind of music? is playing. Relaxing. Yeah. Somebody may be in a bubble bath somewhere. Some of you are laying in fields of daisies. Others, you've closed your eyes and turned everything off. You can't see the kids running around you. You're just in a place all by yourself, right? Okay, how about this song? There's... Does that take you to Saturday getting ready to watch a winner? What am I talking about? There we go. All right. Yeah, that's the stuff. Hey, did you know that the Bible has a playlist? Uh, as a matter of fact, listen, on y- in your notes I want to make sure you get this because today and for the next four weeks we're going to be looking at this playlist and the playlist is the book of Psalms which is actually, and I don't know if you knew this or not, some of us did, some of us might not, it's actually a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers that come from all different periods of the history of the Israelite nation. As a matter of fact, the ancient Hebrews called it praises. That's what the word means is praises, literally the plucking of strings. Some of them are written for choirs. And while it's not really a hymn book, sometime after the Babylonian captivity, all of the Psalms were collected and put in a very specific order. I didn't know if you knew that or not. I mean, the Psalms are in an order that was chosen for very specific reasons. As a matter of fact, they chronicle the life of the Israelites so much that that it is actually structured after the first five books of the Old Testament, which Moses wrote, uh, uh, and some Bibles actually, if you're looking at the Book of Psalms, you you actually see those subheadings: Book One, Book Two, Book Three. But check this out: So Book One, or uh, Psalms 1 to 41, they actually mirror Genesis. Book Two, uh, Book Three is Leviticus. Book Four is Numbers. Book Five, of course, is Deuteronomy, and these are the Psalms that correlate with. Those with that part of the Pentateuch. There is not another book in the Bible like the book of Psalms. It was Israel's worship song book, meant to be sung. Can you imagine? We read them. I can hardly hear music when I, when I read them, but uh, they're meant to be sung with accompaniment. By the way, we need to read it. When you read this book, when we go through this, you need to keep in mind these are songs and poems need to read them as if they're a song or a poem, all right? Or they're a prayer, and we need to remember that they're a prayer. But I'm going to give you one more that you may or may not have known. It is the most read book in the Bible. The book of Psalms is the most read book in the Bible. Um, And if you asked, listen, if I were to ask you to list several well-known passages of Scripture, Not necessarily your favorite, right? Uh, But one that people in general have probably heard, maybe even people who have never stepped foot in the church, that they most likely have heard. You might mention something like, you might say, the Lord's Prayer, right? Because people have heard that. Or maybe you would say, the Christmas story. Uh, At a minimum, the Linus version, right, from the Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, lights please. Uh, And so, you know that. You might mention the Beatitudes, you know, the blessed are those... You know, because people have heard of that, or 1 first, first Corinthians, because love is patient, love is kind, right? And these the, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, right? You know that, John 3, 16, because we know that sort of stuff. But eventually, eventually, someone is going to have to add to that list, right, the 23rd Psalm. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to bet that most of us could at least... Maybe all of us in the room could at least complete the very first sentence. The Lord is my shepherd, I... There we go, right? Uh, Besides John 3.16, my guess is that the 23rd Psalm is the most memorized, most quoted, most loved Scripture in all of the Bible. I've got to tell you, there are very few funerals uh, that I've conducted where the 23rd Psalm doesn't make its way in uh, somewhere because they've offered... Those words have offered more comfort, calmed more fears, encouraged more hearts than maybe any other poem that's ever been written, ever been written. And if you didn't know, the 23rd Psalm was written by David, the shepherd boy who killed a Goliath, oh my goodness, who killed a a giant whose name was, right, uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there, Uh, and then he became Israel's greatest king. Right, that's the author of the 23rd Psalm. So we're going to read this together, and I've put it in your notes. Right uh, uh, in the King James version, which may not be the version that you read uh, currently. It's not the version that I read currently. However, this is the version of the of Psalm 23 that I heard most often growing up, and actually, uh, depending on whose funeral service I'm doing, I actually use the King James version. So I thought. Why don't we read this, maybe the most familiar version to most of us today. Let's read this in the King James Version together. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Listen, I wanted to begin our summer playlist with this psalm, because we're, we're going to be taking various psalms throughout this series, and I really labored over which one to start with. Did I, do I start with Psalm 1, because that's the first psalm? Do I start with Psalm 90? That was actually the first one written, right, uh, written by Moses. Do I, where do I start? And I thought, you know what, we need to start with the one that we're most familiar with, most easily recognized, and because it shows us why, in my opinion, Psalm 23 shows us why the book of Psalms is the most read book, in the Bible. And here's the reason I want to want you to catch right up top is the Psalms. When we read through these poems and songs and prayers, they remind us of who God is. When you read through the Psalms, you can't help but be reminded of who he is. And there's something about that to us. As a matter of fact, Psalm 43, 2 says, you are God, my stronghold. Look at Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. I love you, Lord, my strength, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. And in verse 1, King James Version, of course, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So on your notes, please write this down. As shepherd, I just want to make sure you understand why this is such an important image to us. Because as shepherd, God supplies what I need. And I will tell you that this is the central idea of this psalm. Everything else that's in this psalm flows out of a result as a result of this statement. So when David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need, he's saying that God is going to take care of me because shepherds were responsible for the physical survival and welfare of their flock. In comparison with goats, which tend to fend for themselves, sheep depended on the shepherds to find pasture, pasture for them, to find still waters. They provide, shepherds provide shelter and medication. They aid in lambing time. They provide provision for lameness and weariness. Without a shepherd, sheep are helpless. And that image is especially important to us when there is a time in our life, right? Have you ever felt like, I, I'm, I, I'm at the end of me. I, I, there's nothing left that I can do. I need somebody bigger than me to do something about this. In Isaiah 40, we read, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This picture of God as a shepherd is used over 500 times in the Old and New Testament. Psalm 34 tells us that lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, they lack no good He provides food and shelter, uh, the basic necessities for his sheep. But it gets even more specific. Check out Philippians chapter four. And my God will meet all of your needs in accordance to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now. If you're just kind of hearing this or you're kind of questioning this, I want to make sure you understand there's a difference between needs and wants. doesn't say that God's going to give us all of our wants, right? If God met all of our wants, we would be the biggest spoiled brats in the universe, right? We'd be spoiled and self-centered. He's not going to give us everything we want, but he has said to us, I will take care of all of your needs. And so here's what I want to ask you because I'm, I'm going to bet you've experienced this. Someone has said something to you like this, or maybe you've said these words you are not going to believe what just happened. Have you ever had anyone say that to you? And then they follow that up with some ridiculous story that if it wasn't your friend or your family member, someone that you knew and trusted, you wouldn't even believe them, right? A refund check shows up unexpectedly for the exact amount of money that they need and they didn't know where it was coming from you ever heard one of those stories i've had friends tell me those stories or how they needed something and someone showed up someone they didn't even know showed up with it and listen sometimes we have gotten to be on the other side of that prayer because we're the ones sometimes who have something that we don't need but we hear someone else who does have a need and so we take what we have and we give it to them and that person has no idea but that person was praying to a god that maybe they used to believe in as a kid, (laughs) but life has just kicked it out of them, and they just don't know how they're going to do it. And then you showed up as the answer to that prayer. Listen, God provides for our needs. Here's the second. As shepherd, God protects me. It's interesting, before Samuel anointed David as king over Israel, he spent (laughs) long days and nights uh, watching over the flock of his father. And we know because David says... He, he, he tells uh, that he killed a lion at one point. He killed a bear with his bare hands, uh, risking his own life for the sheep he'd been charged to protect. In chapter 46, verse 1, uh, David would write, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. A shepherd would carry, by the way, a staff or a rod, a stout straight stick. Sometimes it would have a knot on the end of it, uh, which would serve as a club. David would become proficient with a sling that allowed the shepherds to protect his sheep against wild animals that were coming at them. And when a day's grazing was done, when night was approaching, the shepherd would gather the sheep together and lead them into a protective fold. And some of these were just crude makeshift circles of Brush and sticks and, and rocks forming a barricade that would be maybe four or five feet high. This safe fortress out in the wilderness that he had been putting together. Others were in caves or hillsides, but the circle would be incomplete. Broken in one place to form an opening into the fold. And the shepherd would be beside that opening. And as the sheep would go by, he would keep them in in the dangers of the night out, and wolves and robbers could only get to the sheep over the dead body of the shepherd. And God's like that with us. In this life, God protects us. He gives us the protection of his word. He gives us the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the provision of godly parents, the accountability of godly friends. He's actually even given us fire insurance through his son. If you think about it, Psalm 56, that may have been funnier to me than it was to you. Psalm 56, 3 says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 4, 8 says, I will lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. So he provides for us. He protects us. I want to give you one more. It's not going to be your favorite. It's probably not your favorite. Uh, but I want to make sure we get this because as shepherd, God also corrects me. Occasionally, the shepherd might tap an unruly lamb on the ear with a shepherd's crook. Have you ever been disciplined? How great was that? (laughs) Right? Uh, At the time, not so much. But look at what Job says in chapter 5. He says, blessed is the one whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. I love this song, Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. The point is that a father only disciplines his own sons, and this is proof that they're his sons or his daughters, right? We may feel like disciplining the neighbor's children, and they may feel like disciplining ours from time to time, but we don't. We discipline our own children, and when God disciplines us, it's proof that we belong to him. And the reason he disciplines us, by the way, book of Hebrews Chapter 12 tells us that it's for our own good in order that we might share in his holiness. God is disciplining us so that we might look like him and others might see his reflection in our lives. I recently heard Charles Swindoll share this. He said, Lord, I'm willing to receive what you give. And I think this is on your notes. Willing to receive what you give, to lack what you withhold, to relinquish what you take, to suffer what you inflict, to be what you require. And Lord, if others are to be your messengers to me. I'm willing to hear and heed what they have to say. Amen. That's the prayer of the psalm. God, you know what's best for me. I trust you to provide for me. I trust you to protect me. I trust you to discipline me. So the psalms, this one specifically, the psalms in general, they have this way of reminding us exactly who God is. And There's a lot of pictures that the psalms paint. We'll see those throughout the summer. But one of the other reasons that I think the Psalms are so important is that they remind me of who I can be, who I can be, not necessarily who I am, but who I can be, which, by the way, calls for a response. I don't know if you notice there's a blank. If you've been filling in blanks and you're a blank filler in you may be getting a little twitchy because there's one up top that we have forgotten, evidently. We didn't forget. I want to make sure you got this. Uh, is that um, God, uh, God is my shepherd. I need, this is a response. I need to make God my shepherd. So that blank that you didn't fill in a moment ago uh, is, is this one, where we say, as, God, as my shepherd, God does these things. I want to make sure you get that. That's a decision that you make. Look back at, verse, uh, look at some of the passages we've looked at, because what we focused on was this word. But look at what word precedes those. You are God, my stronghold. L- look at Psalm 18. I love you, Lord, my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold. Look at the first five words of verse one again. The Lord is my shepherd, not a shepherd, not the shepherd. Listen, here's the reality, and this is maybe what's challenging about the Psalms as well, and I think we enjoy the challenge as well is that God is not the shepherd of everybody. God is only the shepherd of those who let him be shepherd. I want to make sure, don't miss this from verse 1, please. Who is the shepherd? The Lord. God is only the shepherd of the people who make him Lord. He's not shepherd of everybody. If he's going to be your shepherd, he's going to be your Lord. And because we live in America, we don't use that word a whole lot, but it means... Someone who's in control. Today we might use the word boss or CEO or manager or chairman of the board. Lord means in control, the person on top, the person who's calling the shots in your life. If Jesus is not calling the shots in your life, you may be coming to church, but he's not Lord. And I want you to understand if he's not Lord, he's not shepherd to accept Jesus as Lord means three things. Look at what Jesus said. John chapter 10, verses 14, then we'll jump to verse 27. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So notice the words know, listen, and follow. Those are the words that tell us what it means to make Jesus Lord of our life. You know him, you listen to him, and you follow him. You. Put him in control of your life. Listen, we all want a shepherd who will provide, protect, and even discipline us, correct us when we need to be. And listen, but for Jesus to be our shepherd, you want him to be your shepherd. You have to invite him, allow him, crown him Lord of your life and Listen, this is something that we talk about from time to time here because it's not, I don't know what your picture of us making him the Lord of your life. It's not about rules and regulations. It's all about relationships. And our friends need to know this, right? Because it all begins, it's the whole story of creation. Go all the way back to the beginning. God created us to have this relationship with him. It's the first thing we read in the Bible. But something damaged the relationship. We were meant to walk beside him, but something created us a separation, this barrier between us and God, and that something is sin. if you go all the way back to the to the story, we know it's Adam and Eve, and they ate from the tree that they were told. Not only one tree. They had the whole garden. They had this one tree. Just don't eat from that tree. But they did. They did what God said not to do, and it created distance. God didn't walk away from them. They hid from God when He tried to find them. The thing is, we know the same thing happens in our lives. When we do something that we, aren't, we know we're not supposed to do or we don't do something we know we are supposed to do, we begin to separate ourselves from God because we know it's our fault. We try to do something to make it better, to get back to God. And so we go to church or we, we help people whose lives have been destroyed by tornadoes or we give the UNICEF or we try to do things that seem good to us. The problem is we know it's not enough. And we just, we try to make try to make this happen because if we if we don't fix this separation in this lifetime, we know it goes into the next lifetime. and we know that eternal separation from God is called hell. The good news of our faith, in case you 've never heard this, is that two thousand years ago Jesus died on a cross to take care of that problem for us because we couldn't do it ourselves, God took care of it for us, and the cross creates a bridge that allows us to get back to God. And the Bible says there's only three things we have to do to be able to make that trip across the bridge. And the first one is you have to believe that this is true. It's as simple as do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for your sins, rose from the grave three days later, and he's calling you to follow him. Do you believe that, that he is now in heaven creating a place for you? And one day when we leave here, we get to go, this isn't even home. We just live all of our lives here, but we spend eternity there you believe that about Jesus? And if you do, the second step is to repent, which just means to uh, con- to to, uh, to own up. Repent means to do a 180. This is the way you're going, and you know it's the wrong way, so you turn around and come back. And basically, we own our sin and say, listen, I'm doing the wrong thing. I need to change the way I'm living my life. I need to change the way I think. I need to change so that I begin to look more like Jesus, the third thing that we need to do, according to Scripture, is to be baptized. This is Peter talking to the crowd on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, right? Repent and be baptized uh, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That, if you've never heard it, is how you make Jesus your shepherd because you've made him your Lord. And for some of us here today, this might be your next step. And I'd love to help you with that. I'm going to be just right here at the end of the service today. If that's your next step and you'd like to talk about that or what does that mean exactly or how do you do that or can I do that today, I will be right down front here today to talk about that. I would love to help you. But as sheep, if you have already made that commitment of your life to Jesus through your baptism, can I encourage you because this might be your next step? Be part of the flock. Your task is to be part of the flock, not look like part of the flock or hang out with the flock or once a week sit with the flock. It's about being part of the flock. And there are two things here. The first is this involves your relationship with the other sheep. So you may already be long to Jesus, but you're not connected to a flock. You've been hanging out, but you've not been hanging on. You've been coming to, but you've not been coming as. And if that's you and you're wondering, well, I don't even know what it means to be part of the this particular congregation, your next step may be First Step, which is a class that I will teach next Sunday morning during this time in the room right up there. Uh, so I hope that you'll join us. I'll be teaching uh, who we are and, and why we, what we believe, and you can ask any question that you want to. The following week, Adam Leopard will be teaching our class that we call Next Step. It'll be at 930 in the room right up there, same room, so you'll know right where you're going, and uh, we want you to be part of both classes Because he'll be talking about what it means to be part of what God is doing here at MCC. Listen, maybe for you, your next step is about living in community with the sheep around you, getting to know people. Because even though we just said hi in this room, how much did you really get to know people? (laughs) Do they know your name? Will they remember your face? If you see them in Kroger or at the gas station, do they know your story? Have you shared anything with them? I don't know if you picked up on it or not, uh, but relationship is important to us. So this month, uh, MCC helps uh, volunteer Helping Hands. I meet with a group of guys, uh, there are four of us, and we meet together, we pray together, we study scripture together, we share what's going on in our lives together, and one of the things that we also do together is we're going down to Helping Hands and serving together. That's the type of relationship where you can grow in your walk with Christ because you're walking with other people. want to encourage you to be a part of that on the card in front of you. If you're not part of a group, we'd love to help you be part of a group that's important for your faith. And if you're already a member here, but you're not involved, we want to help you get involved in serving because serving helps your faith to grow. As a matter of fact, we expect all of our members to be serving at one place, doing something that you love doing Right. And that you're probably very good at. Now, the other thing I want to tell you about is that being part of the flock involves your relationship with the shepherd. So every night, the shepherd will take each sheep individually. And talk to it. And check it for wounds. His desire is to get to know his sheep, warts and all. And for his sheep to get to know him. It's about spending time with Jesus in his word, reflecting on what he's saying. It's about spending time with Jesus in prayer and sharing what's on your heart for him, your successes, your failures, your hurts, what's been making you smile recently, and listening for what's on his heart for you, how much he loves you, how much he cares for you and wants for you, and when necessary, to correct you. I think this is the most loved psalm because of the imagery of the shepherd. Who doesn't want someone that will care for them like that? Because when someone loves you the way Jesus loves us, it's okay to hear the tough stuff from them. (laughs) We're willing to hear the tough words when they come from someone who cares about us that much. So Jesus carries this idea into his ministry, and he calls himself the good shepherd. Look at what he says. He tells us, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I what I Lay down my life for the sheep. That image is so strong to our faith that every week we stop to remember when that happened. Those aren't just words that Jesus said. He actually literally laid down his life for us. So we stop and remember every week in worship his death and his resurrection through our time of communion. And this time reminds us of what we want most to be true for our lives. (laughs) That we have someone who loves us so much. Let me say it another way. You have someone who loves you so much (laughs) that he would die for. You have someone who cares for you so much that he would do for you what you could not do for yourself. And he allowed himself to be given up so that you might have the hope of life. And so we take the bread that reminds us of his broken body And we take the juice that reminds us of his blood that was shed on the cross. And we say to him again, every time we do this. You are my Lord. You are my shepherd. Thank you. Thank you for loving me so much. And taking care of my needs and protecting me and giving your life for mine. Let's go to him. God, thank you. For this moment where this thing that we talk about this 23rd Psalm that that so many people find comfort in, especially at a time of loss when they've lost somebody they love greatly or or someone that they will miss terribly. And 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 they turn to these words and part of part of why we find this so comforting is your, your word tells us even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't fear evil because you're with us. And so, Father, thank you for that. Jesus, we we thank you for allowing yourself to be the sacrifice in our place, to pay the the penalty for our sins. Thank you for loving us so much (laughs) that you would lay down your life for us. And we come to you now Remembering that you're the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Which tells us also because you are our shepherd that you are our Lord. So we bow our heads to you now. And say thank you. And recommit ourselves to you. And we pray this through your son Jesus.